I want to thank you for uh, praying for Sammy Biker. Um, sent her a little video from last week, and I think she really appreciated that. She's doing better. She's out of the hospital. Still fighting uh, kidney infections, but sepsis is gone, so that was a really scary part. But thanks for praying for her. But we're going to be in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, this week. If uh, you have a Bible and want to turn there, you can follow along in the bulletin in the same text. And we're going to be talking about faith. What you'd expect us to talk about at church, right? Um, Faith, that's the part that's easy for Christians and hard for people who aren't Christians. Like Christians have this magic, easy way uh, to find uh, the claims of Jesus plausible and to trust Him in all circumstances, and and people who aren't Christians find it uh, strange and implausible, right? Yeah. (laughs) That would be nice, I think, in some ways. uh, But it's funny because I feel like Faith, or as we're going to talk about it today, the problem of unbelief is about as hard for Christians as it is for people who aren't Christians. You know, I know a number of agnostics who talk about praying fairly regularly, and I know a lot of Christians who don't talk about it but don't pray very regularly. Um, it's not just as easy as it seems. We're going to look at an encounter with Jesus today in which there's one group, the disciples, who should have had an easy time with faith, but they didn't. And then there's one person who should have had a hard time with faith, and he did have a hard time with faith. It wasn't easy for either of them. Um, And it's not easy for us either, really. It's kind of at the root of most of our pathologies as Christians is some kind of an underlying trepidation about belief or unwillingness to trust uh, what Jesus has promised us. So that's what we're going to think about together um, what it would look like for us to have the kind of uh, clear view of Jesus and trust in Him that would make prayer seem natural to us. So let me pray for us first, and then we'll read the Scripture. Father, You know us, and You know uh, the different kind of struggles that we have uh, with the faith, both the plausibility parts of it and just the uh, attitudes that make it hard for us to trust You. And so I ask that You come help us. And break through what our resistance is, uh, open us to you, give us uh, clear, beautiful, uh, trusting thoughts of your Son. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Beginning at verse 14 of Mark chapter 9. It says, When they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, What are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. And he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. He answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And it's often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can... All things are possible for one who believes. 
And immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he'd entered the house, the disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, uh, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. And this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise, Praise be to you, O Christ. Well, faith is a problem both for the Father and for the disciples in the story, right? Just like it's a problem for everybody, really. Um, I should write things down, but I, I feel like people are sort of at their goofiest and least precise when they say things about faith. You know, someone starts talking about faith, um, my expectations of anything helpful drop really quickly. If they use the definite article and they talk about the faith, I have a little more hope. But when people talk about faith, I think, oh boy, what do you even mean? You know, I'm not sure I know what you mean. Sometimes it feels like when people talk about faith, they just mean positive thinking of some sort. Like wishing upon a star and having faith are the same thing somehow. Um, if they get more specific and uh, more Christian in their answers, um, you start to hear things that sound like faith is a much more of a matter of me and how I feel and what I believe than it is in the object of my faith, what Jesus is and what he can do. Yeah, and you, uh, you sort of hear people will talk often like, if I could just believe hard enough, I know I could get God to do what I want. You know, I could move him from his lack of compassion and his reluctance. <laughs> if, if I could believe hard enough, I could make him do what he clearly doesn't want to do for me. Nobody would say that out loud, but the way we talk about faith, it sort of sounds like we could coerce God if we could have faith that was strong enough or good enough and we could believe hard enough. Or if we got the right incantation and in prayer, if we say it just right, just the right words, then he has to do what we want him to do. And if we get the incantation wrong, then he won't help us. Uh, things that we would never say are true about God, but they do seem true about the way people talk when they start talking about faith. Uh, kind of the cruel dark side of that is the whole, well, if you had more faith, you wouldn't be suffering. Right? If your faith was strong then the circumstances you're in would change, but apparently your faith isn't very strong. And there's a lot of meanness that goes around under that kind of teaching. Other times when people talk about faith, they talk about it like it's a synonym for Jesus or a substitute for Jesus. You know, and some of this, I think, is euphemism because you're just trying not to be abrasive in conversation and things. But you say, wow, my faith really sustained me uh, through that trial that I went through when, when I was sick. You say, well, you mean Jesus sustained you? Or do you mean, what do you mean when you said my faith sustained me? Or people will say, they'll talk about people of faith as if that's some kind of a bounded set in the world. Everybody has faith. Everybody lives their life based on some things that they can't prove. Um, but somehow we say people of faith as if it's say people who happen to have a religious inclination or something and 
But it doesn't really say anything about us. Everybody has faith. Do you mean people of faith in Jesus? Or do you, do you what do you mean? People of faith. People of faith in empiricism? What are you talking about? It's vague. And I appreciate people trying to be nice and euphemistic, but you know, at some point, what do you mean when you're talking about faith? Becomes a big issue. Biblically, you know, faith is um, trusting Jesus and what he's promised for us, uh, having a dependent connection on him. We sang about uh, sweet to trust in Jesus, to take him at his word. To trust Jesus and take him at his word, that's faith, biblically. Um, and so that's what I want us to talk about um, and talk about why it's hard. We'll kind of look at it from the Father's perspective first, which was he had kind of obvious difficulties for faith. And then from the disciples' perspective, theirs were a little more covert, but just as deep. So the Father first. He's got problems with faith because, like, he's been praying his whole his son's whole lifetime for relief and hasn't gotten it. Right? Like this excruciating, agonizing trial that he's in, watching his son every day, not able to do anything to help him. And you know, this guy doesn't have any problem praying. He probably just prayed all the time. He probably has a hard time thinking it's going to matter if he prays, and he probably has some suspicions about why God hasn't answered his prayers and relieved his son. Maybe God doesn't like me for some good reason. Um, maybe God doesn't care like I need him to. I don't know. But for whatever, he isn't helping me. And, and now in this situation, he's just been let down again. Right? He went to the disciples. He heard these stories. You kind of feel like an idiot going to the faith healers. You know, but I like I'm desperate. I'm going to go, and then they can't they can't help the boy. So, um, kid is sick, but he's more than sick. It's some kind of demonic thing that's going on in his life. It's bizarre. I'm sure his dad doesn't understand anything about that. But you know, I figure, I look at this guy. He's got the faith of a mallowed orange. I don't know if you say mallowed orange outside of redneck world, but um, if you ever want just the juice out of an orange. Maybe, Beat the orange, don't break the skin. So it's just juice and pulp on the inside, then you can cut a hole. And anyway, we do this in the south. <laughs> it's called mallow or mallowing an orange. And uh, I kind of picture this guy's faith like that. There's there's some skin that's still intact, but it's pretty bruised and beaten, and inside it's just pulp and juice. You know, um, he's hanging on by a thread in terms of his faith. Um, and. What does Jesus say to him when he says, I, I, this is what happened, I brought my son and your disciples couldn't heal him. And Jesus doesn't say, oh, poor thing. Does he? I mean, his response is abrasive. It feels harsh at first. God just says, look, if you can and would have pity on us, please help us. And Jesus is like, if I can, which is... You know, not, it's not what I expect Jesus to say in that situation, which is true in every situation when Jesus says something. It's not what I expect Jesus to say. But, um, yeah, is he, is he blaming the guy for having insufficient faith? Like, if I can. Um, but it, it's not like the cruel prosperity teaching. Like, if you, if you had more faith than I could, then maybe your son wouldn't be sick. He isn't saying that. Of course, he's not saying that. Um, 
What he's saying is, um, he's trying to point the guy to this idea. Your faith is wobbly and weak, but it's aimed in the right direction. There's no need for you to say, if I can. And there's no need for you to wonder if I will. Right? Um, your wobbly little faith is good because it's aimed in the right direction. And the guy kind of, Jesus draws him into this and he cries out, the cry that anybody who's ever tried to trust God for about a day has said, I believe, but help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. And of course Jesus does help his unbelief. Um, Jesus isn't saying if your faith was strong enough, things would go well for you. He's saying your, your faith is aimed in the right place and so it's going to go well for you. It's going to be okay. You know, you can have strong faith or weak faith. If it's aimed at the right thing, it's fine. You, know, you can look at the moon through a telescope and see a lot more than you can see through a little opening in a wall. But if the telescope or the opening in the wall is aimed at the moon, you see the moon. And if they're not, it doesn't matter how good the telescope is. What matters is, is the moon there. And the object of faith matters a whole lot more than the strength of the faith. Is what this guy learned. He needs confident trust in Jesus, not to, to stir up stronger and stronger belief from himself. Really, in, in the way Jesus talks to him, faith is a lot more a gift that God gives to us than it is a gift that we give to God. Right? You know, I believe, help my unbelief, and Jesus does. Jesus doesn't say, you owe me more faith than you're showing me. That's not, that's not how this works, right? He appreciates the guy saying, help my unbelief, like we should say. Help my unbelief. Right. And you learn from this that not, not all doubt is bad. Right. Um, you don't have to pretend that you don't have any doubt. You don't have to sit on your questions about the faith. It's, it's, those things are welcome. Your, your faith isn't insufficient. If you struggle with some doubts, if you ask some questions, that's fine. Um, really, how do you get to any kind of mature faith without that? But also, doubt is not the goal. Right? You know, some people talk like the greatest thing in the world is to be completely open-minded where nothing ever sticks in your mind. You know, where like to doubt is awesome. And you know, there's somewhere in between never doubting at all and doubt is the goal where somebody needs to be if they're wrestling with real faith in Jesus. You know, I trust you, I have some unbelief, help my unbelief is a good place to be, healthy place to be. That's where Jesus brings this guy. And it gives a place where he has confidence in Jesus. Jesus is compassion and Jesus is power. And that's what we want, is faith. Um, let me mention a couple, a clarifying aside here a little bit. Um, our faith is based on Jesus and what he's promised us. We take him at his word. We don't have faith in the same sense about things we just want him to do that he hasn't promised to do. Right? Um, we don't blame him for not coming through with something he didn't promise he would come through on. You know, we trust him for his promises. And that's true, solid, biblical faith. Um, that is, when you're praying for somebody who's sick, they don't always get well. Like, at least once, everybody doesn't get well. <laughs> um, even the people with the most faith. You don't get the girl, you don't get the job necessarily just because you pray really hard about it. Right? It's still good to pray really hard about it, but 
we trust Jesus for what He's promised us, not just for what we hope He'll do. Um, but sometimes the Bible uses the idea of faith for things that we don't know for sure that God is going to do, but still requires kind of trust in Him. So like for Julie and me, a couple of times we've gone to start a new church. Um, we have reason to believe that Jesus likes new churches and wants more to be started, right? Fairly reasonable conclusion. We don't have any promise that he wants us to do that. We don't have any promise that he'll cause that to go well. You know? um, but we have said, we would say things like, well, we're kind of stepping out in faith, we would say. Faith of what? Like that the church is going to start and go well? No, you don't really know that, but... You know, ultimately, you want to say, you know, it seemed like a good idea at the time to go do this, but in some ways, it's an exercise of faith, right? You say, well, I'm going to trust you, come what may. I know this is your heart. I want it to be mine. We're going to try this. You know, please bless it if you want to. But we use faith that way sometimes. But like, if Jesus, did, if this church didn't become a church, it wouldn't be that Jesus let me down, right? It wouldn't be that my faith was misplaced. So you kind of have to make those distinctions. We're holding Jesus to his promises mostly. And you often, often ask for things that you don't know if he's going to give you or not. You know, you got to figure most of the time he won't give you what you want because you're an idiot. Right? It's sort of like you give your kids what they want all the time because they're idiots. And so you, you figure when you pray, like, you know, Lord, like Jesus even prayed, not my will, but thy will be done. You know, you're deferring, but you're asking. And the asking itself shows dependence and trust and faith in Jesus. And you're supposed to do that. Okay, end of the aside. The disciples, their struggle with unbelief is more covert and surprising to them. Um, they don't really think they have faith struggles. They believe Jesus is the Messiah. They're like on it. And, but when Jesus comes down the mountain, like when Moses came down the mountain from Sinai, you remember what he saw when he got down to the bottom? Golden calves. Um, cats and dogs living together is really bad, right? Um, and he says, you're an unfaithful generation. And uh, Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration and he sees them squabbling and the disciples all defensive and self-justifying. And, and what does he say to them? You're, a, you're an unfaithful, like a lacking faith generation. Uh, very similar situation. Because uh, their problem isn't that they are unbelievers. Their problem is that they are unbelieving. <laughs> they are believers, but they aren't believing actively in the way that they're going about their life and the way that they're thinking. Um, and they're confused. They don't know why uh, they couldn't cast out this demon. They've, they've been able to cast out some demons already. And it's pretty amazing that they could do that. Amazing to them. And here they can't, and they ask why, and Jesus has already said, call them an unbelieving generation, kind of pointing at the problem. And then he adds in the last verse here, he says, this kind can't come out with anything but prayer. Now, my wife thinks I'm wrong about this, so I'm probably wrong about this, but I think that's slightly sarcastic. Because what he's saying is, what, you don't have to pray anymore? Like, you just got the magic in your pocket you can use anytime? Like, that's what you think this authority you've been given over demons is? No, you have to pray. Right? You actually have to be dependent on God. 
In Matthew's version of this, he adds some things that Mark doesn't mention. Um, when the disciples ask him, why can't we do this? And he says, because you have so little faith. Because you have so little faith. And he, he really meant because you're using your faith so little. Basically said, look, if you, if you had faith like a mustard seed, you, God would do all kinds of crazy things for you. Um, but your problem is you're autonomous and you're self-reliant and you're trying to serve God out of your giftedness rather than out of His strength. And like you don't need it. That's why you couldn't cast this one out. So it's not a technique issue for them. It's not like you're praying wrong or not enough or long enough or something like that. It's saying you're not praying at all. And it's like you think you don't, you think you're not dependent on God. And so that's why he points them this way. Another aside, I'll, I'll be brief. Since a couple of you have like a dead tree Bible with you here, um, the, uh, the, some versions, and in my version, there's a footnote when he says, This kind can't be driven out by anything but prayer. There's a footnote that says, And fasting. And it's kind of interesting to see how, our, you know, how we got our Bible. But there are a lot of manuscripts of the Bible. We don't have any of the original manuscripts. And so in this passage, um, the majority of texts that we have of the Bible say, and fasting, at the end of that sentence. But the earliest ones, like from the first few centuries, don't. And so when you look at that, you have to say, okay, well... Did somebody add that, or did somebody take that out? <laughs> and uh, why? What's more likely? And then you have to make your best decision. In this case, they're not that sure, so they make a, they at least put a footnote uh, if if they don't leave it in there. Most of the bias in people who've influenced me, anyway, has been that you trust the earlier manuscripts that you find, and um, not the, the majority number of the later manuscripts. It's not a stupid thing to trust the majority number, but. I'm biased towards the younger number. So, um, the other reason I'm biased that way in this instance is because I think it's very easy for people to read this and construe it as uh, some problems are uh, such that um, the techniques of prayer and fasting are required to get God to help you. And they look at it as a technique issue rather than as a trust in Jesus issue. And Fasting, rightly seen, is a trust in Jesus issue, not a, if I fast, I'm going to force God's reluctant hand to be compassionate when he isn't normally. <laughs> That's not the idea. The, you know, the idea is, I, I just really need to trust you and I need to talk to you about this because it's weighing on me. So, that's an aside. The technique is not the issue for the disciples here. It's not that they said the wrong prayers or didn't pray long enough or hard enough or something. Uh, because prayer isn't meant to be a technique that tricks God into helping us. Prayer is a way of admitting that you're useless before God and saying, I know anything and everything I have is a gift and I need your help. I heard an uh, anecdote of uh, two Korean pastors. You can tell they're Korean pastors because their churches are massive. Uh, one guy had a church of 3,000 people and the other guy had a church of 30,000 people. And uh, so the guy with 3,000 people was depressed. <laughs> he said, what's wrong? What am I doing wrong? And uh, the, the older man asked him, how, how much do you pray? He said, well, I pray like 30 minutes every day. And the 30,000 
first pastor said, I pray three hours every day. I'm like, that's like the worst advice I've ever heard in my life. That's a, it's impressive, like, that you can pray for three hours a day. Don't get me wrong. But this is a religion of grace and gift. This isn't a religion of awesome accomplishments that impress God so much that he helps us. Right? That's not how this works, and that's not what prayer is. Prayer is meant to admit our uselessness and our dependence on God's grace. That's what it's for. Unbelief, then, is a root sin. Say. It's like the sin behind your other sins. Uh, very often, most things boil down. The key to the map is unbelief and pride are your problem, and they manifest in different ways. If you love money too much, it's because of unbelief. You don't think God is going to take care of you. You don't think that He's delighted in you and willing to take care of you. You don't think He's able to take care of you, or you don't think He's good. And so you think, I can trust money more than I can trust Him, so I love it. Unbelief is a root sin. Uh, Taking advantage of people sexually. I don't believe that I'm beautiful in Jesus' eyes. I don't believe His law is kind or good. I don't think He really wants me to be happy. I don't really believe in this whole beautiful mystery, Christ in the church, husband and wife thing. I think sex is more like an itch. Um, and so I have these problems with sex because of the root sin of unbelief. I'm always defensive and justifying myself because I don't really believe that Jesus has justified me. That he has uh, gone to the cross to take away every demerit from me. Um, I don't believe that, so I'm constantly defensive. I'm not secure in his love and acceptance and forgiveness. Unbelief makes me defensive and self-justifying all the time. And then, in this case, prayerlessness. We don't pray, not because of discipline for the most part, we don't pray because of unbelief for the most part. That God's really willing to hear us. That He's really willing to intervene. That He loves us and wants good for us. That He isn't furious with us and disappointed with us all the time. That He invites us to speak to Him. That uh, He will do what's really good for us because He really likes us. But we have unbelief. We expect that He doesn't love us. doesn't know what's best for us. doesn't know what will make us happy. So... What you get from this passage is not a determination to pray more. I, I know I should pray more. I really have, I haven't been praying very much. I know I really ought to pray more. And that's probably true. But what you need is to have your unbelief helped. Right? Like this father asked for in God. If your faith is weak, that's fine. Jesus doesn't mind weak faith if it's aimed at him. If you have to pray, help my unbelief, that's fine. It's welcome. Jesus did help this man's unbelief. And it's really what we should pray. Because what we need, what we need with our faith, is a clear-eyed view of the compassion and power of Jesus. And that's something he gives us as a gift. Let's pray.